This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're chatting with the main rookie of the week, Bates first-year guard Sarah Hughes, in advance of a rather huge game against Bowdoin this Friday at Alumni Gym. Plus, a 10-year-old Bates track and field record fell in Boston on Sunday, and meet the newest assistant coach for the track program, NCAA Woman of the Year finalist Sophia Slavensky. All that and more this week on the Bates Bobcast. <laughs> Women's basketball team never trailed in a pair of road NESCAC victories over the weekend. First, they beat Middlebury 65-54 on Friday and followed that up with an 86-70 win over Williams on Saturday. The Bobcats are 18-2 and 6-0 in NESCAC, ranked 23rd in the country by the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and 24th in the country by D3Hoops.com. First year, Sarah Hughes shined against the Panthers, scoring a career-high 19 points on 6-9 of nine shooting and knocking down 5-7 of seven from 3. Then she nearly finished with a double-double against the Eves, tallying 10 points and 9 rebounds. Hughes finished the weekend 7-for-11 from long range and was honored by two organizations, with D3Hoops.com naming Hughes to their Team of the Week and the Maine Women's Basketball Coaches Association naming her Rookie of the Week. And Sarah Hughes is our Female Bobcat of the Week. Last week we were talking about what separates us from other teams in NESCAC, and it's the joy we bring, it's the energy we bring to each game. Um, and in the past, we've had some games where we come out a little slow, and so we wanted to tighten that up a little bit. And so we came out with killer mentality, ready to crush their hopes from first quarter. Yeah, and uh, clearly did, and, and some convincing victories. Um, for you personally, I mean, you hit five threes, I think, right, against Middlebury. What was clicking from outside? Yeah, I mean, I was focusing on not focusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, the more I think about it, the less it goes in. So I was trying to just play basketball and not overthink. We have a big game, obviously, against Bowdoin coming up. <laughs> What's the team's mentality coming into this one? Because, obviously, it's a, it's a you've played them before, and but now they have to come here, right? Yep. Um, rival game. Going to be really excited, making sure everyone shows up. And senior weekend, that weekend, we are just ready to do the same exact thing we did last weekend where we don't even let them have a shot. We want to write first 10 minutes, it's over. They got to co- dig themselves out of a hole. Obviously, we played them before. It was a tough loss, but we're a totally different team. We figured out what we need to do, stopped having as many scoring droughts, and I think we're ready to go. Well, I was going to ask about that because, like, you went undefeated in January. A couple losses um, before January, but since the new year, undefeated. So is that the biggest change is the scoring droughts have kind of disappeared? Yeah, I would say that. And um, our focus on defense, obviously, we tried to focus in the beginning of the season on defense, but tightening up all those little things like the extra help rotation so yeah definitely defense but putting ourselves in positions to score we had good shots in the beginning of the season they weren't falling now we're firing on all cylinders making sure the right person gets the right shot what's it been like as a first year to come in and have this much instant success (laughs) (laughs) uh it's actually like it feels amazing um I'm like really honored that everyone on the team trusts me coach trusts me but like super exciting I honestly came here with little expectations whatever I got I would be happy with ride the bench great so yeah coming out and being able to actually like impact the game it has been really like rewarding and 
makes me feel like all this work that I put in to get here has paid off. Well, it seems like you adjusted pretty well, but what maybe what was the biggest adjustment initially from high school to college? Honestly, this might sound like a strange answer, but the shot clock, because oh. in New Jersey, like never played with the shot clock before. It's it adds this like extra level of excitement where every possession there's like you got to get the ball up. Um, so that was definitely uh, a big change. But also um, with that, it increases the pace of play and it is obviously hard to have control over the ball, play quick, but not in a hurry. Um, so, yeah, like managing turnovers with this increased pace of play for sure. Well, it seems like you're a perfect player for the pace of play, though. It seems like you're, <laughs> you're always going at, you know, 100 miles an hour. What, what, Where did you develop that style, you know, of being you know aggressive like you are out there on the court, it seems like? I would say my AAU team probably. Um, my coach, really awesome, Mary Beth Chambers, she always made sure that, we had a sense of urgency coming out there every time, wanting to score as fast as possible and then play great defense and then go back, score again. Um, and same with high school. My coach, Caitlin Linney, she she played so fast. She made us play fast. She played with us during practice. It was awesome. Um, and we just wanted to get as many shots up as possible because the more shots you get up, the more shots fall. Sure. And then no shot clock in high school. Did you have shot clock in AAU? Nope. Okay, so neither. So this is your first time ever playing the shot clock. Yeah, okay, exactly. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, and then, you know, for this team as a, as a first year guard, what's it like? You know, playing with the other guards like who are a little more experienced. You know, like A Rose and Morgan Kennedy. What do you kind of learn from these, some of the older players? Yeah, I mean, they are just so composed, have so much poise. When they make a mistake, you can see it just go right out of their head. They don't dwell on it, um, and that's definitely something that I'm learning from them. But also. Just IQ-wise, like, obviously, I played four years of high school basketball, so I have experience from that, but college is a whole new thing. So I've been making some freshman mistakes at the end of the game, but um, they're helping me develop that IQ. I'm curious, uh, you know, going back growing up, what made basketball kind of your sport? (laughs) This is actually a funny story. Um, I started dribbling basketball at six years old because I was obsessed with High School Musical. Okay. And so I was like, I want to be like Troy Bolton, and I started dribbling basketball. <laughs> and that was your sport? Did either your parents play? Nope. Neither of my parents, none of my brothers, just didn't run family at all. <laughs> gotcha. And when did you realize, hey, I'm kind of good at this? <laughs> um, I would say like maybe when I was eight, like they, we played travel, and yeah. the youngest team wasn't um, – like I played up two years because they didn't have a – Oh. team my age and I was like oh maybe I am good at this so yeah excellent so being from New Jersey what what kind of got baits on your radar um honestly I where I'm from not a lot of people hear about baits um so I was playing in a tournament over the summer and coach reached out to me and I looked up baits it's a great school I was like okay this is awesome she's interested in me like let me check it out um and it just became like the perfect match I took a lot of time making my decision and there was nothing that held me away from the school. So was Bates on your radar when they won the NESCAC title two years ago? As when you were a junior in high school, or not yeah. yet? They were okay. Yeah. So what was it like seeing the school that was interested in you, or and uh, you know winning a conference championship? Yeah, I mean it was awesome. I was <laughs> like best school in the NESCAC <laughs> wants me to come to their team. So yeah. um, I was obviously super excited about that, and obviously with Megan Graff, like just all the hype around the team, I knew that 
women's basketball would be supported, it would be hyped up, and it would be just an awesome environment to play in. And your role's been interesting, you know, first person kind of off the bench and, you know, but then playing a ton of minutes. What's that be, kind of been like to enter the game and, you know, provide a spark almost? Yeah, no, it's super exciting. I, um, I come in and... I don't think they're expecting it. They're expecting maybe like a decrease in the level of play. And I just come out and there's this like extra little energy that a lot of the other teams like aren't ready for. And I think that's super exciting, especially I'll get paired with someone else like so for Maya and just getting in these new legs makes it a lot harder for the other team to counter. I can tell just because I manage our social media for athletics, your parents are all in on uh, Bates Bobcats basketball. What's that like to have that kind of support within your family? It's awesome. Yeah. Like they, no matter what, 10 toes behind me, I love them so much. They watch every game. They're coming this weekend. Same with my brothers. So I obviously have a ton of support and super grateful for them. We have National Girls and Women in Sports Day coming up this Saturday um, before the Bates game against Colby, obviously. So a lot going on this weekend. I mean, how excited is the team right now? It must be a pretty uh, fun fun pe- uh, group to be a part of, right? Yeah, it's going to be great. All the alumni coming back, yep. like all oh, the right. parents yep. with that. It's going to be super fun. Um, and again, like I said, hopefully a bunch of the student body comes out. These are two really big games, and the atmosphere is super important. Excited to have the alums back to watch uh, the current team, Yeah, right? and especially the alumni scrimmage. I'm excited to see oh, okay. them <laughs> put a couple shots up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on the season so far? I mean, obviously, eighteen and two with a chance to you know take over first place uh, this weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, super exciting. I came in like first year at this college, and it reminded me a lot of my freshman year in high school. Uh, like the connection between the team is just amazing. Like can't beat it. Um, so obviously there was that special aspect, but what was different? with my freshman year of high school on this team is that we are playing at an amazing level. Like, hopefully after this weekend, first in the NESCAC. Friday night, 7 o'clock, two top 25 teams, Bowden and Bates, first place on the NESCAC on the line, and then Saturday, big senior day, 3 o'clock against Colby. Sarah Hughes, thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good one. On Sunday, the Bates track and field teams compete at the Middlebury New England Small College Invite, and first year Seneca Moore made history. He raced to the finish in the finals of the 60-meter hurdles in 8.29 seconds, a new Bates record. He predicted he'd break the record two weeks ago, and now he has. And Seneca Moore is our male Bobcat of the Week. Definitely the goal is to drop that as low as possible so it can't be broken. Going into the race, uh, I remember watching a video before the meet that my mom sent of just some hurdler. He ran definitely faster than me. I was just trying to do the same thing that he did, and I guess it worked out. Does your mom often send you some inspirational stuff like that? (laughs) Yeah, all the time. That's my main source of inspiration and motivation. Well, tell me a little bit more about my relationship with her growing up in terms of athletics and everything. Um, she also did track. I think she was more of a long distance runner. Um, she has been my manager, I would say, and definitely been right by my side with everything that I've experienced. So if you ask me some, you can ask her the same thing. We'll get the same answer. Certainly. And then, um, the track at New Balance, uh, what was the meet kind of like overall? Just, um, you know, that venue and the, the competition and everything. That was my first time being on like a a hydraulic track so like the yeah the curves were like lifted up um i thought that was pretty cool i know definitely that's where like professionals have ran and people way faster than me have ran so i think it was cool being on a track of that uh caliber and um it definitely felt nice i ran fast on it so 
Yeah, certainly, and I know obviously it was NESCAC opponents, even though indoor track and field is not a NESCAC sport, but um, I know there was an opponent from Williams who was pretty fast also. You got second to him, and so does that give you some motivation there <laughs> heading forward? Yeah, for sure. Um, anybody, you know, I don't like being beat, so <laughs> um, that's definitely who I'm gunning for now, but, um, you know, he's fast, so I'll give him that, you know, but um, yeah, definitely, I'm going to try and beat him. Now, take us back a couple weeks. Uh, Bates Invitational, you got to be uh, your debut on uh, social media as uh, as narrator of the Bates Invitational there. Take us through kind of having a home meet and what that experience was like. That was my first home meet at uh, Bates. Uh, Somebody on the team came up to me and asked if I wanted to, yeah, narrate the track meet. And um, I said, yeah, and I thought it was a pretty, uh, it was pretty fun. Definitely, I like the energy here. Everybody showed up. I seen um, the president here, as well as some professors. That energy, it kind of, kind of made it feel like you know, family, like your family coming out to an event. So, I thought that was nice. Now you've been doing 60 meter hurdles, also the 200 meter dash. How's the 200 meter dash progressing? I thought you had a PR. Yeah. Um, you know, hurdles is my main yeah. thing, but uh, the two, uh, I'm definitely trying to lower my time on that for sure as well. Um, I think I got like 23.5. If I can get like 22, that's optimal. That's what I'm going for. Have you ever thought about doing a 60-meter dash? I mean, we have some good ones, you know, Derek Shen and Kevin O'Connor. I feel like that would be a natural one to do also. But. Yeah, um, that's a different type of speed. Okay, but yeah, I, fair enough. <laughs> um, I, think, I think, well, you know, I always talk, I talk a little bit of game to them. <laughs> but, you know, I told them I would beat them if I ever ran it, so we'll see. All right, I look forward to maybe that happening, right? Um, just I, yeah, what is the relationship like with you know the other sprinters and everything on the team? I'll say for sure, Kevin uh, like invited me in, and he's definitely like the, one of the first people to talk to me on the team, and I definitely mess with him. He's cool. Um, Derek, he was overseas, so uh, him coming back now, he's definitely funny. He's always saying like "Yes, sir" with it or something like <laughs> something like that. Uh, it's a lot of uh, characters on the team, and. It's definitely fun to be around. Well, Derek, I've been told it's a beast in the weight room. Have you ever uh, encountered him in the weight room? Yeah, if you look at him, his shoulder's pretty big, but um, definitely different from me. I'm a little bit more uh, skinny. Different ways to be fast, I guess, in track, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on this, up, um, you know, that past me and also maybe what you're most looking forward to this weekend with the main state meet coming up here? I'm looking forward to trying to run a faster time. That's on my mind. Um, also just experiencing it this is all my first time so just take it in some of the seniors were saying this is a good meet to cheer for your team so i'm definitely looking forward to that and um also watching some of my teammates run well i guess having you know been on the football team this fall you're very familiar with Bowden and kobe rivalry so now it carries over the track right definitely going for them and uh i will will beat them i will (laughs) i will beat them all right looking forward to seeing that uh seneca thanks so much for joining the bobcast mail bobcat of the week Number two for you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The squash teams had a busy week with both teams posting records of two and one. The women's team beat Colby and Connecticut College, while the men's team earned a pair of five to four wins over Connecticut College and Wesleyan. In Friday's five to four thriller over the Camels, first year Maximilian Selm rallied from two games down at the number five position to win three to two, clinching the match for Bates. Maximilian Selm with us here on the Bobcast talking some men's squash. And uh, Mox, there against Connecticut College, 5-4. to four. It was tied at 4. Your match was a deciding match, and you were down 2 nothing before you came back to win. Take <laughs> us through the trajectory of that match, and uh, when did you realize it was up to you, and uh, how did you, you pull off the comeback? Yeah, um, so it was actually like a crazy match. Um, 
especially that day I really didn't sleep well. I also had a fever, so I was very afraid of that match and I was hoping that maybe it wouldn't uh, come to me to, for a deciding match, honestly. Um, i glad I pulled it off. Uh, I was also a bit unlucky as I was in first two games, I was actually up 10-8, so I had game balls. So the whole match also could have uh, finished in three games, basically. Uh, but, you know, I'm still glad I ended up winning. And, uh, of course, like, thank to support of the women's and the men's team. Uh, that was tremendous. I know the players coach each other throughout the matches. Who was uh, kind of coaching you throughout that one? Well, so, yeah, it started with just, like, one of my teammates. Yeah. And as soon as it became the only match that was ongoing... Then the whole team was kind of with the coaches was like trying to like uh, do do their best to help me as much as they could and um, yeah it was an awesome experience very long match um, yeah well so when you're down two nothing like that but you almost won the first two games yeah. does that give you a lot of confidence you can come back or does that get kind of frustrating like oh I should have done it <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure um, I mean I was kind of frustrated of mm-hmm. course because I knew that I could have won it in three games. But I still, you know, till the very last game, basically, I believe that uh, I should be the one winning the match. So that's what kind of held me uh, in it. And and it was basically just a belief, and I was just confident that I was going to win it. Well, the third game, you dominate 11-2. Yes. Like, it was an easy yes. one, kind of, almost. But then 15-13 in the fourth yeah, game, that so was, nip and tuck there. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit stressful, not going to lie. But as I said, like, Till the very last ball, I truly believed that I was going to win the match. So that also like helped me just get through it. And yeah, but yeah, 15-13 was a, was a rough one, not going to lie. Were you down to your last point at any point in that one? Yeah, so he yeah. actually had like two two match balls. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah. so you know. Fought through it. Um, yeah. What was the celebration like with your teammates after you won? Oh, it was crazy. It was, <laughs> it was, it was madness. Yeah, yeah. And the team must be feeling, you know, pretty good at pulling off these two five four wins. Um, I know it's a it's a young team. Uh, yep. you, you know, you haven't had the numbers you mess, might necessarily want this year. But mm-hmm. what was it like to get those two back to back victories this weekend? Oh no, feel great. Um, especially that now we kind of secure the spot in NESCACs. Mm. So um, for sure, it's gonna be easier to to play uh, the game that the game against Bowden tomorrow. Sure. Uh, which is also gonna be huge for us, especially because it's first Bowden. But it's also can uh, make our seating for Nescax a bit better. Tell me a little bit about growing up in Poland and how you first got into squash. Yeah, so I've been actually playing squash for for quite a long time now. I think I started when I was eight, um, before I actually played tennis for a bit. Sure. Yeah, no, but growing up in Poland was great. Um, I actually had squash first in the second grade for my PE class, okay. which is very interesting. <laughs> very uncommon, I think, even in Poland. So yeah, that's how I kind of started playing and fell in love with the sport. Is squash very big in Poland? How big is it? Uh, I would say it's actually quite big. Mm. It's growing every single year. Um, there's lots of clubs, lots of players. Um, much more and more players start to play professional. So so yeah, it's going into a really good direction. Great. When did you come to the United States? Like, I know you went to high school in Pennsylvania. Yes. Um, so I actually... So I was so I it's kind of funny because I never actually planned to to go to the U.S. for high school or college. Mm. Um, it was a bit of a coincidence as one of my teammates uh, went to the Hill School 
to my old high school and uh he kind of asked me if I didn't want to like pursue similar uh thing and so I was like why not so I tried it got in and I just went there um but yeah so I went to the hill for my sophomore year and did three years of high school in the U.S. and now I'm here great and kind of when you're looking at colleges what made Bates the place for you uh, so I really love the program. Rye is a, uh, is a great guy, really good coach, uh, and also Bates has great academics, so that's kind of what I was looking for. It was a great fit for me. So what's been the biggest adjustment to college squash compared to you know playing in uh, Poland or playing in juniors in the United States? Uh, yeah, so actually like I would say that high school squash is fairly similar. It's a similar system where we also play with nine players, mm. uh, but the level, of course, is not as good as uh, college. Um, I think for me the hardest transi- transition was um, the level of college squash. Like you're not gonna play against bad players, and uh, there isn't really like time for a bad day. You always have to perform on a really good level. Um, and also, other thing I think is uh, it's mostly very loud. Uh, <laughs> there's always so many people just cheering, and it's something that. I personally also had to like get used to. Yeah, certainly. So when you first came to the United States for high school there, uh, were there b- big adjustments coming over from Poland? Had you been to the U.S. before? Oh, yes. I've actually okay. been to the U.S. a few times. Yeah. But it was just, I mean, I was only like 15, 16 when I came to the U.S. Yeah. So it was a big transition for me to be like that far from my from my parents and my family and sure. all my friends. But no, it was, it was a great time. Like I transitioned pretty quickly, I would say. Great, excellent. Well, your thoughts you wanted to share on you know the matches this past weekend and you know what the men's team is looking forward to most. Obviously, you mentioned Nescax hopefully uh, coming up here in uh, just a few weeks, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm extremely excited for tomorrow. Sure, it's gonna be a <laughs> senior night, right? Senior night, yep. uh, big game against Bowden. So I'm very looking forward to it, and I think as well as all the other guys. Uh, I hope and I know that we can win. Yeah, Bowden and Bates, similar rankings kind of nationally, so it should be yep. a good matchup. Uh, that's 7 o'clock tomorrow, as you mentioned. That's a Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Bates Squash Center. It's the last uh, home match of the year, so everyone should come out. Uh, Max Sum, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Pike the courts. A familiar name has returned to the track and field coaching ranks at Bates College as Sophia Slavensky has been named an assistant coach on the staff of head coach Curtis Johnson. Slavensky becomes a third-generation track and field coach for the Garnet and White, following in the footsteps of her father, Paul, from the class of 1985, who was also an All-American pole vaulter as an undergraduate at Bates, and her grandfather, the late, great Walter Slavensky, who for 43 years led the Bates track and cross-country teams to 726 victories, five undefeated seasons, more than 20 State of Maine championships, and four New England regional championships. Sophia was an NCAA Woman of the Year finalist this year as she shined as a varsity athlete at the University of Southern Maine, winning a national championship in the Javelin in 2021. And now she joins the Bobcast. Well, Sophia, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really happy to have you on. Obviously, we'll get to your family legacy in a moment. But tell me a little <laughs> bit about after graduating from USM last spring, yep. what made you want to get into coaching? Totally. That's a really good question. Um, so at the moment, my full-time job is I work for a nonprofit called the SG United Foundation, also known as Strong Girls United. And we do a lot about empowering young girls in sports. And what better way to do that than to be on the ground coaching? And so... I owe it all to Coach Leonard, honestly. she, um, Her dad had reached out to me at the beginning of the summer, and 
I was like, oh, I'm fresh out of college. I don't think I can be a coach. Um, But then my sister, Phoebe, had run the main marathon, and I ran into Coach Leonard afterwards, and she was like, hey, just so you know, that coaching position's still open. And I was like, huh, interesting. And then it was one of those thoughts that just didn't go away. It was in my head the whole time. So I was like, I'm going to look into this. I'll just apply. I'll just apply. I don't know what my chances are. But I applied, and immediately... Curtis took me under his wing. He was so incredible through the whole process. And um, then I got to meet Selena Cunningham, Adrian Scheibels, Jason. They're all phenomenal people. And I'm really happy to be at a school that they get to lead. Then I went through the process and I got hired and I'm here and I'm like, whoa, this is wicked cool. And so I'm joking because the other day I showed up to practice and I have on like my Bates, um, my Bates sweatshirt my USM jacket and a Bowden hat and I was like (laughs) gotta choose Sophie gotta choose but um honestly I just think it's a neat opportunity to get to be through all of these um incredible schools and track and field programs throughout Maine so what did it mean to you to be an NCAA woman of the year finalist and getting to go to Phoenix for everything in terms of you know the hoopla around that and you know being you know a USM winning national title and then being a woman of the year finalist this year what did that mean to you 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 mentioned you work for a nonprofit that drives this type of stuff right right, right. Yeah. well first of all it was just a huge honor I remember I got an email and I was like no way this is super cool um and I was just excited to kind of two things one to get to represent my alma mater and to get to represent just sports in Maine first off and my second thing was I was so excited to meet the other nominees like just seeing their names and seeing all that they've done for women's sports as well it was just a very exciting experience and so going down to Phoenix awesome obviously the NCAA really goes all out for these events and this convention and so we were there and right away um Celine Cunningham texted me and she's like hey let's meet us and I was like oh this is so nice and so then I met her before the honoree luncheon and she gave me a sweatshirt that they got for me it was just so sweet and um my dad got to meet um Celine and Adrian as well and he just said that you're so lucky to have these role models all around you and I attribute it as well to Kim Turner was my athletic director at USM and you can't be a strong woman without strong role models and so I'm very grateful to all the role models that I've had and mentors along the way for sure but yeah overall it's just wicked cool experience getting to stand up on that stage alongside 30 incredible honorees who all deserve to be there. Now your background is interesting you grew up in Canada you didn't grow up in the United States so um, when did you end up going coming to the U.S. for college or? Yeah so kind of funny so born in Watertown well Boston but lived in Watertown Massachusetts until I was five that's when my dad was the um, track coach at MIT right and then when I was five, we moved to Toronto, and my dad was my athletic director there, and so I've always had him as my coach pushing me along and mentoring me along the way. And so, um, yes, at, in Toronto, I lived there from when I was five till when I was 17, and I always knew I wanted to go to the U.S. for sports, right? Never quite knew which sport, though, until about 11th grade, and then I was like, yeah, definitely track and field. Um, but so then from there, Toronto... Um, I went to Phillips Academy Andover for a year, which is where um, Lonnie Silversides, my boss at Strong Girls United, mm-hmm. she used to teach at um, Andover. Oh, nice. Except I was there on her sabbatical, so it was oh. kind of a weird thing <laughs> of how we met later on. Um, anyways, and that was like what connected us. But so then I went there for a year, ended up going to Bowdoin, and then transferring to USM, and now I've found myself as a Bobcat. And you won a national championship in the Javelin. Take us through that 
final throw to win it and what it meant to you. Oh my gosh, that was just the coolest thing, really. I had um, I had gotten COVID earlier in the year, and then the, my last day in quarantine, I got appendicitis, and oh. so I had to get my appendix out. And so it was kind of honestly like a blessing in disguise because it gave me some time to rest my shoulder. Um, and I was in this sort of mental phase where I was um, having a difficult time with pole vault. And so I had found my love again for Javelin, and I was really just feeling good about it. But then also, I had this emphasis of find the fun. That was my motto for myself. And um, going into it, I told my head coach, Rob Witten, I was like, I'm just going to be doing my own thing, dancing on the side. It doesn't mean I'm not interested. It just means I need to be in my own headspace right now, and I'm going to do all that you've taught me how to do, you know? And so then going out there, I had heard I don't like really knowing where I am placed wise oh yeah but I had heard that I had fallen behind and I had seen um a girl Anna Swanson who so amazing it was her first year throwing javelin and she was absolutely throwing bombs so that was awesome but yeah anyway so I went out there the day before the whole event we went out there and I literally just took a visual image of the place there was a tree at the very other end of the runway and I was like I'm gonna hit that tree Mm. that tree was probably like 500 feet away so would not have hit that tree but that was the goal you know and so then that day I get on there throw after throw and I know what I needed to do was have a powerful strong and firm plant leg and I kind of kept breaking at the knee breaking at the knee so I was like all right go do this throw as you visualized it a million times the night before and so went out there it just felt like a piece of cake, if that makes You know, your best throw right. always just feels like, whoa, how did I just do that? You know, but as soon as it left my hands, I was like, wow, that felt really good. And I was excited. And I'm going over and you can and there's like a video of it and you can see I'm talking to myself the whole time. I'm like saying these numbers because in my head, I kept thinking a number. And then all of a sudden I heard them say oh, eight. And I was like, there's no way that was 38 did they just mean 48? And then I was like, that was 48 feet. Um, and just kind of lost my mind. And it was the best feeling ever. It was really awesome. And I assume it was a PR then. Oh, yeah. yeah it yeah, was yeah. a big PR. <laughs> big PR, yeah. yeah. Big PR, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So at Bates, are you coaching then the vaulters during the indoor season and then javelin in the outdoor? Or how's that going to work? That's a good question. Oh. I'd love to help out with javelin. Yeah. Um, uh, pole vault is definitely what I was hired for sure. and what I'm here to do. Yeah, and yeah. like I said earlier of having some difficulties with vault, it all, mm. I think that has then made me into a better pole vault coach. I had like a lot of mental blocks and things with the pole vault because it's a scary event, but working through it um, and practicing my mental game has really helped me then love pole vault again. And now when I see my athletes out there, I'm like, oh, someone give me a pole. I want to jump. But it's really fun to be coaching as well. Well, then we saw um, at the Bates Invitational, Carson Mollerine set a yes. PR in yes. the pole vault and in a number of other events in the, as part of the heptathlon. But uh, I heard you saying like you're really proud of him. So take us through his development kind of from your perspective as a coach. Oh, he's a phenomenal athlete. He works so hard and it's an honor to coach him, honestly. Um, and just first of all watching all of the events that he had already done that day I'm like wow you must be so tired but he got on that runway and gave it his all for sure and to just see him clear height after height after height I was like Carson keep it up so that was really awesome to watch um and it totally he's totally just the purest example of you put in hard work you're gonna get good results and so he really is putting in the work Mm-hmm. So your dad was an all-American pole vaulter right here at Bates. Yes, he was. Um, and so you must have grown up, you know, 
<laughs> when was your first pole vault? I must have been pretty young, right? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. It was honestly the summer before ninth grade. Um, my uncle, Uncle Peter, who used to be yep. the Bowden coach, he um, runs a track camp. There's the Bowden track camp, but then also Slovensky camps. And so we used to have, like, or they still have pole vault camp there now. And um, I remember I had missed the bus to go to Poland High School to do the hurdles. And so my dad was like, go do pole vault. And I threw a bit of a fit, but went over, tried it, and immediately was like, oh, I get to fly through the air with the pole. This is pretty cool. Um, and so, yeah, the rest kind of just went from there. I had wonderful coaches in Toronto from Bolton Pole Vault, um, Doug Wood. They were just such icons over there. Um, and so Alicia Newman actually trains under those coaches. She was went to the Olympics for Canada, um, and she's an incredible athlete. Uh, yeah, so then just kind of had those coaches there and then these coaches here and then obviously Coach Drummy and Uncle Peter who helped me along the way. So your start was actually in hurdles, it sounds like, before that even? So it's <laughs> – I feel like the backstory of this yeah. is my dad as the athletic director and as my track coach right. in school invented these pod meets. And okay. so how it worked was say we're like – U12 girl or something. So U12 girls, you're going to go to discus and then you have 15 minutes there and then you rotate and you're going to go to long jump. And so I grew up getting to do all these things. And I also just got to play as many sports as my school offered. Mm. You know, I'll never forget my dad coming to get me out of class because there weren't enough players on the field hockey team. And he was like, hey, I need you to hop on the bus. Mr. Gill will teach you the rules on the bus <laughs> and you're going to just get in there and just make sure they don't score play so that's what I got to grow up with and honestly my dad is just such a um, legend in my eyes and he's always been a phenomenal father and I think something is at Strong Girls United we talk about this a lot of specialization in sports really early Hmm. and I think that leads to burnout a lot and so I lucked out that I got to play all these different sports which then you know volleyball helps with your hand-eye coordination you know and all these different things ultimate frisbee helps with your endurance like (laughs) playing more sports makes you a better athlete and so i just feel very fortunate that i got to do all these sports and events well it sure sounds like you would have been a natural multi-athlete then right (laughs) pentathlon pentathlon. it was quite funny but (laughs) it was a good time i wish they had the decathlon for women that'd be fun right we get to pole vault i love it yep (laughs) excellent then someday yeah for sure and then um you mentioned your your dad uh uh, you know, being, you know, a legendary coach, uh, legendary, you know, athlete here at Bates, your grandfather, who you never met, right, um, right. but Walter Slovensky, uh, the, we have a whole, you know, generations of alums who, you know, there's a whole Facebook group dedicated to right. him and everything. So <laughs> what stories did you hear about your grandfather growing up? Oh, well, just like all the stories of him leaving gas tanks along yes. the highway to save save a penny here or there to go pick up gas. It's definitely qualities that we all see in my dad now, which is quite funny. Um, but it's been such an honor coaching here because so many officials and people from the community knew my grandfather. And like I said, he passed a month before I was born. Um, and as much as I wish I had gotten to meet him in person, I feel like the stories I hear from people here keep him alive. They keep his legacy alive for sure. Um, And it's so neat to hear. I was just at a track meet and James' mom came up to me and she was like, I was at Bates when your grandfather was here Mm. and Title IX had been passed a while before, but they still had um, gym classes a requirement for women, but your grandfather started like a lifting program or something for women and she was in that. And so just to see how he was really a champion of the students and a champion of athletes through and through um 
And also, I just love seeing... So we have found an article that I'm the same height as he was, and oh. I think that is my favorite thing ever. So it just cracks me up. Um, but, you know, I think Slovensky's a lot of us, we can be small but mighty. And so I just, it's an honor to get to watch into the Slovensky track and field to coach. It's mm-hmm. funny you mentioned the gas tanks thing. Yeah. I have heard from his, some of the athletes that his driving was a little questionable, and they were oh. on some trips. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You would drive the van and there were some adventures on the road. Oh, I bet there were always adventures. (laughs) Always adventures. Excellent. So, I mean, just in terms of what are some things, you know, as a first-time coach now, what are some things you're kind of learning along the way that you maybe didn't expect? Definitely. I think the whole thing is a learning journey, and that's the best part. Um, It was actually quite funny. I I keep getting mistaken as a student or, like, at the meet last week, the official asked me two times when I was – gonna get on the runway for warm-ups and I was like no no I'm I'm just here coaching um but it's one of those things where every day is exciting and every day is new you know and so I had taken a class called sports psychology where I learned a lot of things and one of it was coaching to the individual athlete and that's hard when you have 80 plus students but it's nice with a small pole vault group of five people I can really tailor it to their individual needs and so that's something that I'm working on and um, last week I went to talk to coach Curtis about what I can do better and things like that and he's just been so supportive and so have all the coaches you know Um, and so just figuring out how to work around um, injuries and things like that I will say um, as soon as I started coaching after that first meet oh my respect for coaches just went through the roof it is you know, as an athlete, it's all the pressures on you and you feel very like internally um, focused and whatever. But as a coach, it's your focus is now outward. And so it's a different viewpoint. And I think it just makes me love the sport even more. So you mentioned your full-time job earlier. Can you go elaborate a little bit more? Cause it sounds interesting because it involves sports, obviously, yes, and, yes. and growing it. We, ha- we do have National Girls and Women in Sports Day at Bates. We're celebrating Saturday, so I think it's pretty applicable to today. But yeah. tell me a little bit more, more about your day job, I guess. Right? Definitely. <laughs> well, we hope someday to get a Strong Girls United program going here at Bates. That mm. would be awesome. Um, Strong Girls United, our mission is to empower girls to be strong, confident, and resilient. And we do that through sports, mentorship, and mental health programming. And so that is like the basis of our foundation. And we have this motto that strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. And I think what makes us unique as a nonprofit is it we really do our best to connect college and professional athletes with the developing um, elementary, middle school athletes. And so just having that role model. This past weekend, we were at the PWHL game um, at the Tonga Center in Lowell, Mass., where we watched one of our mentors, Claire DeGeorge, who plays for Minnesota, go against um, Boston. And that was really exciting. They stayed for meet and greet afterwards. And I was just watching footage of that today for my job, and I was just like, it is so neat to see the direction that women's sports is going, you know, and it's just so exciting, the support that's gathering around it. And um, it's a great time to be a woman in sport, that's for sure. Anyways, my job, somehow, I ended up as a marketing vista, which is really funny. I joke about that because I've never taken a marketing class. But like I said, I really enjoy um just the excitement of learning new things. And so I'm learning how to make website pages. I'm creating newsletters. I'm the contact person for our marathon runners. Um, And we're putting together a a female athlete leadership conference that we'll be hosting in Cleveland. And we actually hosted one for um, all the schools in Maine uh, that wanted to attend in at St. Joseph's College in September. And so 
just getting to be in a space where I can uplift and support other women is very exciting for me and it's also definitely a passion of mine and so I'm an AmeriCorps VISTA so I'm a volunteer in service to America and that's how I got employed with Strong Girls United but it's also just the people I work with is amazing Lonnie Silversides who I mentioned earlier she is just an unstoppable force she is truly a phenomenal woman she played basketball uh, for the University of Vermont Um, and I also work with Elise Pelletier, who, um, was a soccer player at UMaine, and I get to learn from these women every day, and that's the legacy I hope to leave for my athletes. I hope that they are able to feel like they can trust me and confide in me and look for me for support and things like that. So yes, I want to coach them in the pole vault. I want them to be better pole vaulters but I also want them to feel supported and I want them to feel empowered. Any other thoughts on you know how the season's gone so far your first year of coaching you wanted to mention we haven't got to talk about yet? Totally I think it's just so neat to watch the Bates Bobcats on the track you know I competed against them for five years (laughs) not just four or five yeah uh, for five years and now getting to be as a coach and getting to cheer them on you're just seeing them doing incredible things I listened to your uh, your podcast with Ned and and Chrissy, and they're both just phenomenal leaders and runners on the team. And it's exciting to have this leadership team as well. Like James is just a great person, and you can see how he lifts, lifts up his teammates. And then Livy, <laughs> just winning the uh, yep. the yeah the Maltese. That was exciting. She's a powerhouse as well. And um, I'm just excited to get to know the team better, for sure. I think that, yeah, it's taking some time. I feel like I've connected with the vaulters, but I'd like to really make sure that um, the whole team knows that I'm there to support them and that I'm excited for them and that um, I'm glad to be a Bobcat. All right, Sophia Solvensky, thanks so much for joining the Bobcat. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. It's already time for Senior Nights for Winter Sports. The squash teams have their senior night Wednesday at 7 p.m. before the Bobcats take on rival Bowdoin. Then the swimming and diving teams have their senior night Friday at 6 p.m. before a dual meet with the University of New England. And women's basketball honors their seniors Saturday before their 3 p.m. showdown with rival Colby. Saturday is also Bates' celebration of National Girls and Women in Sports Day. You can find more information about the free sports clinic being run by Bates Varsity Sports Athletes at our website, GoBatesBobcats.com. And we'll catch you next time on the Bates. Bobcast.